first take. Hi guys, my name is Ruthik, and today we have our first professor on the show. His name is Professor Stefan Somme, and he's actually the Associate Director of Software Engineering here at UOttawa, and um, he's the first prof I had in my first year, so it's pretty cool to have him on the show. And today we'll be talking about his research, uh, how he likes teaching at UOttawa, and things such as how he got into software engineering, why he chose to do research, and how, if you want to do research, how you guys can get involved with that. So let's get on with it. Thank you for coming in today, Professor Stefan Somme. Uh, it's really good to have you. You're the first professor on this show, so I'm like really excited to see what comes out of this. Uh, would you like to tell the audience a little bit about yourself? Yes, uh, thank you for having me, and it's really a pleasure to uh, be able to address um, people, uh, particularly uh, future students who will want to uh, know a little bit about us. Uh, my name is uh, Stefan Somme. Uh, I am um, professor, uh, associate uh, professor at uh, ECS, formerly SITES. I've been here, I've been in the Faculty of Engineering for 20 years now. And um, before that, I, um, I did, um, I was a research um, uh, associate for two years, uh, working with an industrial project. And before that, uh, so before coming to Ottawa, I completed a PhD in Montreal. And that was in computer science? In computer science, ah, yes. Okay. Uh, because at that time, really software engineering was yeah. not a discipline on its own, let's say. Yeah. Then, yeah. Okay. So, Professor Somme, how did you choose to pursue software engineering? Uh, that's a long story. Let's say, I, growing up, um, really computers were not the big thing. Uh, so when it came time to go to university, um, I, that was uh, very, uh, you know, it was completely new to me. And uh, I found the uh, logical aspect of, of um, computer science mm -hmm. very interesting. Uh, so that's uh, what actually brought me to computer science. And then uh, during my studies in computer science, um, I got more interested with uh, issues that have to do with uh, software engineering. Uh, at that time, I say it was not a really a completely separate discipline as such. Uh, so I end up specializing in issues that have to do with software engineering, uh, you know, just because they were the one that were interesting to me. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So the next uh, point that I, or next topic I want to get into is. A lot of the times, um, especially on YouTube, what most people cover mm -hmm. is how to get uh, into, how to work at a, like one of the big four, or how to get an internship at, um, or how to start their own startup, right? But on YouTube, they don't really cover how to get into research. How, if you're in software engineering, how, how would a person get into research, right? So that's one of the things I want to promote on this channel mm -hmm. is that in software engineering, one of the aspects that you can go down is also research. And it's a very interesting field to work in. So you're a professor, you do research of your own. Um, I wanted to know why you chose to do research. Yeah, so that's a uh, very good question. Um, yeah, research is uh, give 
the opportunity uh, to um, dig deeper in, uh, a, uh, in, in, in any area, like uh, an area of interest, let's say. So um, research is a very good for anyone who's uh, interested, who's curious, with uh, uh, want to um, go beyond, you know, basically uh, what they learn in textbooks and uh, in class and start contributing to the body of knowledge themselves. So in my case, um, usually, uh, and again, that's usually the case for a lot of people that I know who end up uh, going into research, it's just, just the seeing some problems and uh, seeing that there's no obvious solution to those problems uh, can bring the um, uh, first the, 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 the idea the, the, and then the, for the need to actually find a solution. And uh, this uh, end up um, when obviously it's an interesting problem, this end up um, uh, putting us in the, the path of, uh, of uh, some research work. So for instance, in my case, like my particular case, how I went to uh, start working on a PhD, it's because, uh, I mean, I learned about um, the software engineering process. So we have to capture requirements and then we have to uh, model these requirements uh, in design and then uh, implement and so on. Uh, but one big problem is the path, how do you go from this, those requirements and make sure that the design actually uh, correspond to the requirement because the process is manual. Okay. So uh, this problem actually made me think, okay, can we do this kind of things more automatically? Can we find uh, tools and approach and method okay. to do that? Okay. So if a student wants to do research, right, he wants to pursue like maybe a PhD and then to research after that. Mm -hmm. What do you think, so let's say he's in his first year or second year, what are some steps he can take so that, or he or she can take, sorry, he or she can take so that they, they can get into uh, research? I'll see there are a lot of uh, opportunities actually to start um, on the path to research even in uh, first year. Uh, we have uh, programs like uh, Europe, uh, that um, uh, you can you can get some funding, some, uh, some scholarship to work with a professor in the lab. Um, even without those initiatives, if anybody interested in research, uh, it's just a matter of approaching a prof. Uh, obviously, learning a little bit about uh, what this prof is doing as research and uh, asking to join their team uh, in some during the summer uh, could be a co-op work too because uh, we get some uh, co-op um, that are partially you know like kind of funding funded by research and uh, uh, so it could be a co-op could be Europe and uh, I, I'll say uh, yeah if, if you are curious if you want to learn if you want to go deeper in any subject uh, subject area uh, research is for you and um are you accepting like uh, assistant researchers or anything, uh, or do you know do you know what the process of that is like? So, if let's say I know you, you're a professor, right? Uh, if a student knows a professor, should what is the best way for them to work with them? So should I just go up to you and be like, uh, I'm really interested in research, I have so and so experience, I'm interested in so and so things. 
Yes, would that would be the first step. Uh, the first step would be to go to the professor okay. to, um, uh, I'll say probably maybe before that, uh, read a little bit about the professor research on their website to see their area of work. Mm -hmm. And if uh, this area matches uh, your interest, uh, send them an email and go talk to them. Okay. Uh, so most professor would be happy to, um, uh, to, to, to have um, a student for this, I mean, during the summer for, to help in the mm -hmm. research lab and to help with the graduate students uh, and uh, so yeah that would that's um, and uh, this also provides a better um, better way to um, uh, jump into the a master's or and then a PhD at the end of the uh, uh, you know, when times comes let's okay. so could you tell us I, I know that you do research on uh, you said verification and uh, requirements so could you tell us a little bit about your research in that field? In the requirement field, um, that's actually uh, what I did starting my PhD work and also a few years after that. Uh, for the, requirement, the big requirement problem is this gap between requirement and design. Okay. Uh, that we capture requirement and then manually create model from those requirements. So there is always, a, there is um, no certainty that actually what we model is what we captured. Okay. And we know that this is uh, one of the leading problem uh, later on in the software development cycle. So my work was about, okay, how can we, how can we automate, let's say, uh, the creation of models from requirements, knowing that those requirements to be uh, consider as requirement must be um, understandable by uh, um, by stakeholders by by okay. users. So uh, they needed to be captured in some languages that is close to uh, the natural language. So there were some natural language processing uh, there in that work, and okay. also some um, uh, derivation of um, of uh, models from those uh, natural language uh, type of uh, requirements. So how similar are these requirements to um, what we learn in SCG 2105? So I just had that course and we learned, uh, we learned functional requirements, we learned quality requirements, right? How, so one of the functional requirements could be um, the system should uh, have all the users log in through a welcome page, right? Yeah. That could be a functional yeah, requirement. Exactly, that's a functional so requirement. Is, yeah. So is your work um, helping, is, is it to, is your aim or purpose to help, I guess, the developer understand what that requirement is actually wanting to do or is it something else? Yeah, that, that project I'm talking about was, was actually the formalism for capturing requirements with uh, use cases. Mm -hmm. So uh, if you uh, use cases, uh, you can capture functional requirement as uh, different interaction step between an actor and the system. Okay. Uh, now, at the end of the day, you want to make sure that if, if the, the, the actual, if let's say uh, you create a, a state model representing the behavior of the system, mm -hmm. uh, you want to make sure that the state model reflect the use cases that you had at the beginning. Okay. Okay. And you also want to uh, check other properties like um, uh, the completeness of the use cases. Do we have gaps that need to be filled with um, 
more use cases, and um, uh, you also want to be able to um, to uh, exploit these use cases. For instance, to create test case and uh, so on. So for that, we need we needed to formalize the use cases. Okay. So we needed to have some, uh, but formalize by still keeping it to keeping them at the level of end users, so end users can read their use case and understand them. Why do you think it's so hard for developers or engineers to stick to the design requirements? It, because it's a communication issue to start with. Um, requirements are expressed by um, end users, by clients, by customers, by you know, and um, you need to process this. So the developers need to uh, take you know this and process. Mm -hmm. So there's always a communication problem. Okay. And uh, as for any communication problem, uh, there could be some uh, misunderstanding. There could be some um, uh, some um, uh, assumptions that are made by one party and that are not communicated the right way to the other party. And it could be um, also uh, because usually uh, you also, uh, for large system in particular, you can have several stakeholders. So you can also have um, um, a situation where uh, one requirement from one stakeholder is um, contradicted by another requirement by another stakeholder. So this, this is the reason why it's make uh, for large system particularly. It, it's uh, it's always uh, it makes it very difficult for developers to uh, ensure that at the end of the day uh, they have the real system. Uh, an additional thing, obviously, it's not to miss is the fact that uh, the requirement change too. Yeah. Uh, actually, for the same stakeholder, uh, the, st the requirement that were communicated at the beginning of the project are likely to be completely. Uh, uh, or to have a substantial change uh, by you know few months uh, in in the project, so there is this catch up that needs to be done at uh, all all the point. So all of these are what actually creates uh, the, the, you know, some of the big problem with uh, software engineering. Is there? Um, so I was just thinking, is there like is there a way for I don't know? Is there like a, a solution where or? Uh, like I don't know, maybe like a AI or some kind of machine learning uh, solution where the the bot or whatever it keeps track of the code and keeps track of the documentation, and based if it sees the if it looks at the code and compares it with the documentation and if it sees a difference, mm -hmm. it like outputs a certain percentage for like uh, this. This is how much. Your your code and documentation differ by, or it it automatically updates the documentation based on how the code looks like. Is there like is there a software solution for that, or is that something you're doing? Well, that's really interesting. Uh, wow, I think I can see a research project there actually from what you're saying. Um, I know that there are some um, there are some use of AI uh, for. Um, in, uh, for reverse engineering, for instance, um, uh, trying to um, uh, understand um, uh, change logs 
and based on the change logs to um, uh, to to get some uh, prediction or to uh, attach that to uh, code. So there are different different uh, different work uh, different uh, research work have been um, uh, done on um, applying you know uh, machine learning AI techniques to uh, to the problem of uh, reverse engineering. The particular approach you're talking about. I'm not familiar with it, so that's what I'm saying. I think it's really maybe you have something there <laughs> that uh, can be worth uh, looking at. And uh, again, this is, uh, as I was mentioning before, this is how usually sometimes uh, research um, ideas can, can come. And then, okay. and, then, and then you start digging in, and, and you know, some, sometimes you can end up seeing, oh, yeah, maybe someone already attempted that. But no, sometimes uh, it's, it's absolutely new and it's worth uh, doing. Yeah. So we didn't talk about um, you, the other side of your, uh, I guess, research is the professor, right? You're also a professor? Yeah. So how do you find teaching university students? Do you enjoy teaching or do you find that we can be really annoying and uh, you dread teaching us and you rather just do research? No, I personally like teaching. Okay. Um, I, I think teaching is, um, if, if I have to put together both research and teaching, mm -hmm. uh, I, I tend to prefer personally teaching. Okay. Uh, and even you know, in our domain, it's, um, you, you still have to do you still have to do some research just to teach uh, because uh, you have to um, remain current. Mm -hmm. uh, you have to, um, so, so there is this motivation there. There is this, uh, there is this, um, you know, it's, it's, never, it's never boring task. It's never so, uh, and, uh, and I like the communication. I like to, um, I like to see um, students learn new stuff from me, you know, it's, it's kind of it's, it's satisfaction, like uh, it's uh, and uh, so so yeah. So um, um, I'll, I'll 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 say uh, no no. I enjoy. I personally enjoy teaching. Yeah. And and you do. I know you teach courses here. You teach. Uh, I think you teach software quality assurance, right? Yeah. And then you also teach. Um, I think there's. SCG three software design yes yeah one. software design and then you also do the first year SCG twenty nine hundred yeah but you have more on like a laid back role on in that yeah. class yeah um, so do those two courses relate back to the research you do or is it that you're more passionate about those two courses so no those two courses relate to aspect of my interest in research okay. and. This is also usually the case for most professors. Um, yes, it is software testing, uh, software quality insurance has to do with testing and uh, aspect re in general related to uh, uh, making sure that the, the we build the right software for mm -hmm. you know for the task. And um, software design and architecture, yeah, I'm, I'm, I have, I'm doing stuff on that has to do with, as I mentioned previously, like basically design from requirement, how to move from requirement to design. Yeah. Uh, so they, they, they keep, actually, uh, they keep, I mean, the, the, this aspect of being able to teach 
what you work on in uh, on the research side is um, one of the um, very uh, interesting and very good aspect of uh, this both uh, research and teach uh, teaching job because uh, you can um, uh, you you learn more from research that you can pass into the teaching side but at the same time you're teaching also provide questions that you can uh, you can uh, dig deeper on like on the research side do you feel that with like because software is changing very quickly because mm -hmm. with the change in technology do you feel like some things in the curriculum right now should be omitted and some other things should be added? Or do you think the structure we have right now is very uh, good for the real world? It, it prepares us for the real world very, very well. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, so do you think we should keep it as is or we should update it as with, with the rate of technology? Yeah, I think that when, it's, when we talk about the program, the program there are different things. There are courses that are, that are defined broadly, like they are defined in terms of um, objective, you know, learning objective and uh, learning topics that need to be uh, done there. Um, now, the content of the course itself evolves. Mm -hmm. Uh, because uh, f there can be a new um, new method, new new tools, new approaches. So the content of the course itself evolves within that. So uh, regarding that, I think um, uh, I think the, the structure itself is is okay. It's good. Uh, now we can um, obviously um, uh, from time to time uh, we can uh, we actually we introduce new courses when needed. Uh, when, for instance, um, you know, uh, just a few years ago, when not, there was no mention of cloud computing. Mm -hmm. So now we have cloud computing. So sometimes when we don't see any room in any course to uh, actually uh, discuss this um, important topic, we can introduce new courses. But we have to work within some boundaries because it's, um, uh, we have... Um, uh, accredited uh, programs, so uh, we have to um, respect some um, constraints, like in terms mm -hmm. of uh, in terms of uh, in terms of accreditation. Uh, and um, uh, there are also um, uh, like um, body of knowledge um, or general uh, curriculums uh, that are you know guidelines for curriculums that are typically uh, defined. Uh, that are also good inspiration for 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 our um, our own design of our program or our own our own adaptation of you know basically. So if you want to learn more about uh, Professor Somme, you can connect with him on LinkedIn, uh, or you can connect or you can look at his website, or you can actually see some of the research he's done. Uh, so we'll have all these links. So we'll have a, his LinkedIn link, his website link, and then a Google Scholar link to see all his papers. It'll all be in the description below. Thank you so much for coming today. I really appreciate you taking some time out of your day. It was really interesting to see, like I just had the SED 2105 course, right? And seeing that your research actually impacts 
what I've been learning. It's it's really interesting to know that that the things we learn in class actually can be applicable in the real world. So thank you, thank you for coming out today. Yeah. Thank you for having me, and um, it was uh, it's a big pleasure to uh, talk to uh, to Exchange uh, and uh, talk a little bit about the stuff that we do. Uh, again, um, I, um, I encourage everybody who is interested in uh, research to uh, let, you know, let the curiosity go. That's really, uh, that's the important thing. All right, guys, that's it for this video. Uh, this was our first professor video. Uh, we're going to probably have more coming shortly. So if you want to see more, like, subscribe, and hit that bell icon. That's it for this video. Bye-bye.